today on The Journey. In the midst of your darkest night, there can be a joyful thanksgiving because you are qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints. Your qualification for heaven cannot be taken away. How does the cover of the passport written on your heart read? Kingdom of darkness or kingdom of light? If it's the latter, your citizenship entitles you to everlasting benefits that begin right now. Ron Moore details some of them in the next half hour. Also, we want you to know about a companion devotional to this series. There you'll learn how to share in Christ's overflowing life, a life full of joy and passion. It's available as a digital download for a donation of any amount at ronmoore.org. Your gift today will help further this ministry of developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now here's Ron with the message, Overflowing, Fully Rescued, on the journey. We're gonna talk about a rescue that took place by Jesus Christ himself. Listen to these words that Paul writes to those in Colossae. He says in chapter 1, verse 13, talking to believers, For he rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and he brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom you have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's the greatest rescue. Think about what Jesus Christ has done. For He rescued us. He saved us. He delivered us. And He took us from a dominion of darkness and He transferred us into the kingdom of light. Now think about, for a moment, dominion of darkness. This is where we were spiritually before Christ. And sometimes we wonder, why can't a person who doesn't know Christ, why can't they understand? Because they can't see. It's dark. Now, Scripture says that this is a dominion of darkness, and it's lived under the authority of Satan. It doesn't mean that all those who live in the dominion of darkness are Satan worshipers, but what it means is this. They unwittingly, not even knowing, follow the ways of Satan. That is, their back is turned on God and they are walking away from Him in the dominion of darkness. And it gets even worse because Scripture says this dominion of darkness in the end time will be picked up and it will be thrown into even a blacker darkness. And that's called hell. That's where we were. But then one day, Jesus came. He saw us drowning in our sin. And He began to put light into our eyes. And He rescued us and transferred us from this dominion of darkness. And He put us in this kingdom of light. Think about it. The true believer has been fully rescued. Jesus said, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in the darkness. No one has to stay in the darkness. Now, being fully rescued means that we never have to worry about being deported back to the kingdom of darkness. 
Being fully rescued means that we are no longer under the authority of Satan, under this dominion. And being fully rescued means that we now live under the authority of Jesus Christ. When Paul writes his letter, that's what he's telling them. He is saying, you now live under the authority of Jesus. It's about Jesus Christ. You belong to him. And when you belong to him, things are going to change. In fact, everything changes. So take your Bibles and turn to Colossians. And this evening, what we're going to do is consider a prayer that Paul prays as he begins this book. It's found in chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. This prayer is going to help us see what a fully rescued believer looks like, how he or she lives their lives, and is also going to be a prayer that we can pray for ourselves and for others. Sometimes do you wonder how you pray for yourself? How do we get below those surface prayers into some serious spiritual issues? This prayer is going to help us do this. So chapter 1, let me start with verse 3 just to set the context. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for the saints and the faith and love that spring from hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. And then Paul says, for this reason, because we've heard all those things, because of what God is doing in your life, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. Now, Paul does not mean that he literally has not stopped. He's using a figure of speech to say every day we continually pray for you. You are constantly in our prayers. Now, here's the content of the prayer. We are praying and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now let's stop there a second. Think of those three things that Paul is praying for. In our prayer, we are petitioning God, and we're asking that He fill you with what? The knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom, and what else? Understanding. Let's think about that. Three things that Paul is praying for these fully rescued believers. First of all, he is praying that they are filled with experiential knowledge. Now, it's important to note, when Paul talks about knowledge here, he says, I'm not talking about head knowledge. You've got enough of that. But he's saying, I'm talking about applicational knowledge. You need to take what you know and apply it. Or otherwise, you're going to get run over by every false teacher. Flip over to chapter 2, verse 9. Here's a key verse in this book, 9 and 10. For in Christ, he says, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given the fullness of Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. Christ is complete. And you fully rescued believers, you have been given 
the fullness of Christ. You are complete in Christ. So Paul is asking God to fill these believers, to let them know the fullness of Christ. And the first thing he says, I want you to be filled with the knowledge of his will. Now here's what he's praying for. A deep understanding of the kind of person God wants us to be and the things that he wants us to do. What does God want us to be and what does God want us to do? That is the knowledge of his will. And again, Paul is not praying for more stuff to enter into their minds. He is praying that they will take the knowledge of God they have and apply it and use it so they can be the person he wants them to be and they can do the things he wants them to do. It is an experiential and applicational knowledge. Now that comes through two things. Spiritual wisdom and understanding. Let's think about those two words. First of all, spiritual wisdom. Spiritual wisdom is the Holy Spirit helping us apply spiritual knowledge to life situations. So when we're praying, we're asking the Spirit who lives in us to help us take what we know to be true and use it, apply it to the life situations that we're going through. So Spirit-guided application could be one way we would say that. Then he prays for spiritual understanding. This is the Holy Spirit giving us the ability to analyze a situation and make the right decision. Isn't that cool? Spiritual understanding. So God, help me as I go through this day to know the things you want me to do and help me apply spiritual knowledge by your Spirit to my life situations. And when I see a situation in front of me and I have to make a decision... Help me by your spirit to analyze that and make the right decision. Man, that is a powerful prayer, isn't it? And when Paul prays this prayer, he is saying, God, help the Colossians experience what life with you is like. Help them to understand who they should be and what they should do. And Father, help them by your Spirit apply the knowledge they have and help them when these false teachers are coming and when they have all these issues in their life to be able to analyze the situation and make the right decision by your Spirit. Can you think of a more significant prayer to pray for yourself? Think of a more significant prayer to pray for your children. Well, in verse 10, Paul gets very practical. He explains why he's praying this prayer. He says, and we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way. So he gives two reasons why he prays this prayer. First, he says, we want you to live a worthy life. The word worthy means of equal weight. And so Paul is praying, we want you to live a life of equal weight with the Lord. Pretty heavy prayer, isn't it? We want you to live a life equal to God's standard and nothing less. 
First Peter says this, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Now that's a pretty high standard, isn't it? But that's what God calls us to. Now last we talked about what it means to be holy, and we said it's both a position and an experience. The position never changed. When God calls us to be holy, we're going to be holy. And we're not going to be any more holier in our position a hundred years from now as we are the second we trust in Christ, or He brings us to Himself. That's the position. But in the experience of holiness, we need to grow. And God says, be holy, for I am holy. You say, it's impossible to be holy like God. And you're right. On our own, it is. But that's why the fully rescued believer continues to pray this prayer. Because he or she is not satisfied with anything other than what God has for us. You see, a pretend Christian or a nominal Christian doesn't bother to live up to the standards of God, to be worthy of a life of the Lord, to live equal to God's standards. But the fully rescued believer does. Here's why. Second part here. They want to please God in every way. Verse 10 again. We pray this in order that you may live a life worthy and may please Him in every way. That word please there means desire to please. We want God to put in your heart a desire, a want to, to please God. Now, if we were to live a life like that, what would it look like? Well, look at verse 10. You see the colon there right after, please Him in every way. See the colon? Paul gives us four things that would characterize a life that is pleasing to the Lord. So let's look at them quickly. First, he says, here's what the life of a fully rescued believer is going to look like. Bearing fruit in every good work. Now, Jesus and Paul use this agricultural metaphor, bearing fruit, to explain that in the life of a fully rescued believer, there is going to be visible evidence that they have indeed been delivered from the kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of light. And that's going to show up in every area of their being. Now, doing those things doesn't make you a Christian. You need to be rescued. But when you are a Christian, you do those things for the right reasons, to honor God and grow in your relationship with Him, bearing fruit in every good work. Now, when you talk about bearing fruit, we're not talking about perfection, but we're talking about growth, being farther along today than you were yesterday. And growth is the second thing we see here in this fully rescued believer's life. Look after the colon in verse 10, bearing fruit in every good way, growing in the knowledge of God. So the fully rescued believer living under the authority of Jesus Christ is going to learn of God 
through the instruction of the Holy Spirit, and he's going to learn from the Spirit in two ways. One, you read God's Word. And as we read His Word, the Spirit is going to explain it to us and convict us by it and guide us by it and help us with it. The Holy Spirit then grows us through His Word and grows us another way. Life experience. Going to take what we have learned in Scripture, and as we go through our life, the Holy Spirit is going to continue to apply that into our life experience. And then as we go through our life, the Holy Spirit is going to continue to remind us of what we learned in the Word. Okay, here's a third one. Endurance and patience. Look at verse 11. Being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. Endurance simply means this. Resolve in the face of life's difficulties and challenges. By God's grace and by His strength, I'm going to get through this. In James, it's translated perseverance. Consider it pure joy when trials come because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. It's that life experience. You know who God is. He's not going to leave you. And you're going through a difficult time. And those two things together, the Holy Spirit is going to develop in you perseverance. And then James goes on to say, let perseverance have its perfect work so you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Endurance. Patience. Patience literally means long-tempered. Self-restraint that does not easily retaliate. One more thing here. Look at the end of verse 11. And joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Joyful thanksgiving is going to be a fourth criteria of this pleasing life. The fully rescued believer lives a life of joyful thanksgiving to God because God has qualified them to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Now, I want to tell you something. Life can be really, really bad, but that will never, ever leave. You will be qualified. And so in the midst of your darkest night, there can be a joyful thanksgiving because you are qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints. And if there is any group of people who should live life with joy and thanksgiving, shouldn't it be believers? Shouldn't we be leading the way of joyful people? If we're not, then we're demonstrating characteristics more of the kingdom from which we came than the kingdom that we presently live in if we're a true follower of Christ. For He rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and He brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We have redemption. That word means bought with a price. It means purchased. Jesus Christ purchased us from that kingdom of darkness by His very death on the cross. And on that cross, He took your sins and mine, 
and he took God's wrath for each one so that we could experience forgiveness. And when he took us out of that kingdom of darkness and he brought us into the kingdom of light, in this kingdom we can know that forever we have been redeemed and forever we are forgiven. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's something to celebrate. I think that is something to thank God for. Yeah, there are challenges in life, and yeah, there are irritations, and yeah, there are frustrations. But those got to be low-shelf things. Because on the highest shelf of our life is this. We have been qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints. We have been rescued from the dominion of darkness, and we have been transferred over to the kingdom of life. And we should be the one leading the way with joyful thanksgiving. And please stay with us. Ron returns in a few moments with a look at our next time together. Would you like to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus? One who experiences His power, peace, truth, and joy? Well, that's what Paul wanted for the Colossian church, and his letter to them still resonates with our hearts today. Let it resonate with yours by claiming your copy of Ron Moore's devotional titled Overflowing. This digital companion to the audio series we're currently enjoying will fill your soul with security, commitment, and liberty in Christ. You can get yours as a digital download for a gift of any amount at ronmoore.org. That's ronmoore.org. Your gift today will help keep the journey on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now let's rejoin Ron for a preview of our next broadcast. Today we're going to see seven non-negotiables about Jesus that we've got to nail down in our Christian walk. And here's what I want us to do today. There are going to be some of you, you're going to say, man, I'm sure I believe this. I have always believed this. And for you, I want this to be a confirming time. There are going to be others of you who say, you know what? I've always struggled with that aspect. And I want more information on that. And we want to continue that. Others are going to say, you know what? I'm just getting started. I'd like more discussion on this. Everyone is on a spiritual journey. And the most significant question you can ask and answer is, who is this person, Jesus Christ? Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, the first thing Paul says about the person of Jesus Christ is this. He is the image of the invisible God. Now, there are two important truths in this first line of chapter 15. The first truth is this. God is invisible. God is unseen. That is a truth that a central part of theology throughout the Old Testament. You cannot see the person of God. In the Old Testament, God is so magnificent and great, His glory would melt a human being just like that if ever we saw His face. We see that in the New Testament as the Gospel writer John makes it clear no one has ever seen God. And Paul in Romans says that nature only gives us hints of the invisible God. But then Jesus came. And He didn't just simply tell us who God was or give us a hint of what God was like. He was the image of the invisible God. The Greek word image or copy is the word 
icon. That's where we get that word in our English language. The word icon meant a shared reality in what was represented. An icon was the essential substance and embodiment of something. And so when Paul says Jesus is the image, the icon of the invisible God, what Paul is saying is that Jesus is not simply here to represent God, but he is the essential substance and embodiment of God himself. We hope you can join us for that message next time. And to help you experience the abundant life, we invite you to download a PDF copy of Overflowing. It's a powerful reminder that Christ has provided all you need for life and godliness, a life filled to overflowing. Overflowing is yours for a donation of any amount. You can get it online at ronmore.org. That's ronmore.org. Also, for our Pittsburgh area listeners, the real conversation continues at the Bible Chapel with Real Talk, Conversations from Corinth. In Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church, we'll discover what God has to say about leadership, sex, life, victory, and connection. This is a series you won't want to miss. The Bible Chapel has campuses across the greater Pittsburgh area. Visit BibleChapel.org for a location near you. Again, that address is BibleChapel.org. And if the journey has brightened your day and deepened your walk with Christ, won't you tell your friends and family about our program? Finally, please keep in mind that the journey relies on your generous donations to remain on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Your gift today will be deeply appreciated. Thanks for listening, and we invite you to join Ron next time as we walk together on the journey.